the fact that none of their children find it necessary to live religiously the way that their parents did makes me wonder how religious their parents came across. Because you and I can both speak for this. When you're raised in a very high-demand religion, there's not really a choice in your mind. Because, no. because you're taught this is what God wants. This is the only way to return and be saved. Yeah, I was and, never taught by my parents or the church at all. Like, oh, well, you can just, like, choose right. to not. It this was, was always, the no, choice. choose the right. right. Choose this. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years now and have two awesome kiddos. Yes, we do. If you're interested in just listening in today, we do have our podcast available. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you are from a polygamous background and would like to share your story, please feel free to reach out to us at growingupinpolygamy at gmail.com. Right now, we also have our holiday fundraiser going on. Thank you all so much for who for those who have donated. Yes. We have already surpassed our goal for being able to adopt a room. We would urge anyone who still wants you to please contribute to this fundraiser because the more money that we receive, the more we can do in that room or we can possibly adopt a bigger room or yeah. a common area. So the link for that fundraiser is down below for the Short Creek Dream Center. And that is a place of refuge for those leaving polygamous communities, especially the FLDS, so they can get resources and housing and help them transition out of polygamy. The fact that we surpassed our goal so quickly, you guys... You're the it best! It just means the world to us. It really does. It's going to such a great cause. I just want to say thank you, thank you so much for all of that. And we're looking forward to giving this to them and supporting them and their great cause. Yes, and we'll be filming that as well. Filming the process of getting the room done, getting it renovated. Yeah. We really want it to be a community project with all of you and all of you who have been so gracious in donating. So stay tuned for that process as we um, get a room dedicated. Yes. Well, today we are excited to get back into our fresh eyes on Sister Wives. Yes, it is season five time, yeah. people. And man, I feel like we're finally, I think we said this in season four a little bit, like we're peeking behind the curtain a little bit on reality and not this like facade of everything is great and wonderful. Everything now, is awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now season five, we're really seeing like there's definitely some yeah. issues happening and they're yeah. definitely having lots of struggles and financial struggles and this and that. And so I feel like it's starting to get more real definitely it's starting to feel real and it's starting off a lot of this season is them worried about credit scores and getting into the houses and getting into the end of that cul-de-sac and all that stuff um, to do with their houses. For those of you who are new to our channel, the way that we always approach Sister Wives is more looking at the religious aspects, comparing what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy versus the Brown family, as well as some of the religious things that they bring from either the LDS side that I grew up in or a polygamous standpoint. Yeah. So we're not going to talk a whole lot about the houses. We really are excited because there was a couple episodes that were like absolute gold that we're talking about some of the foundations we work with, that we're talking with people who had left the FLDS, like Sam, mm -hmm. um, but we will cover it real quick. So they're working on houses, and just a couple of thoughts. It was really interesting to just see the way that Cody is trying to maintain his family is very much equality, not equity. Especially with the way that they are treating Mary and allowing her to get this house that is it seems to be the only one that's going over budget here, which is interesting since I would think she wouldn't need as much living space as the other wives. I'm not, 
bashing on Mary at all here, but it does seem interesting that she is the one that's over budget out of all of the wives. Yeah, that the all like the other wives have so many children, and then Mary, and then their child's going to be leaving for college next year. Now, I will say that in Las Vegas, they're all pretty much track homes, right? So right. there wasn't a way, there wouldn't have been a way to have houses like different houses, and then a smaller well. Could have been a little Maybe different. a little bit different, but there's normally just a certain number of plans within a community. So who knows? I don't know. It just is interesting to see every single time they interview and they talk with Mary and all the like women about finances or the houses or anything like that, like Janelle's face is just like, I'm not saying anything. I'm not thinking anything. And Janelle's already apologized for, I understand that must be hard yeah. for you emotionally, Mary. But Janelle is like very much a... Down to earth. Down to... Logical. Logical. Yes. Yeah. Logical person, right? And yeah. logical needs. And so to have things split up equally instead of based on people's needs, I think is causing major friction in the family. Yes. I think so too. Especially, I, I can't... I mean, I, the show doesn't show a whole lot of... I guess disagreements between the wives about this. Just little things here and there. You pick up looks. You can see it, yeah. Like the Janelle's looks. look, for example. She just kind of looks away and just doesn't want anything to do with it. But it is very interesting, though, to see that Mary is requiring so much. And I know that she's the first wife. And in some polygamous situations, the first wife does kind of is looked at as like the, the leader of the wives in some cases. It doesn't seem necessarily that way with the Browns, but I don't know. For whatever reason, she's getting a special treatment, it seems like. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's equality, right? It's mm -hmm. equality instead of equity. But um, yeah, so that was interesting. Them working through that, working, picking out houses and stuff was a huge part. I'd say another huge part is them sitting down with their older children and mm -hmm. different children saying whether or not they want to practice polygamy, them saying they could be a part of their religion without being a polygamist. We kind of laughed a little bit at that because the main, such a huge portion of their religion is polygamy that, yeah, you might be able to, but you're not going to be able to get the fullness of the gospel in their minds without polygamy. So I think they think if they can keep their kids in the religion, then hopefully their kids will come around yeah. to getting a polygamy. This is where I think they would have problems is, for example, one of their daughters, let's say, let's say one of the brown daughters, marries a man that is a part of the religion. They decide to stay in the religion. They marry a man. Who's to say that not that far down the road because of the way they were raised, this man would have a, call it a revelation or a feeling or something that he was to have another wife. If you're marrying someone that's raised that way, I find it very likely that down the road they would be inspired, as they would call it, to live the law of polygamy. Yeah. As of right now, only Mary and Cody's child together, the only one that says, I am going to be a sister wife, you know, like very, right. very adamant about it and adamant about the religion. And I'm sure most of you know at this point that that is not how that turns out um, for their child as well. Right. So it's really interesting to see, and I'm kind of excited to see how it continues to morph and change. As far as the other children go, they're like, no, 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 no. I don't know of any, maybe one of you do, but I don't know of any of the Brown's children that end up living a polygamous lifestyle. To me, that's, I don't know if red flags would be the right word, but it's definitely an eye-opener that if none of your children want it, what does that say about your polygamous relationship? 
Yeah, well, and I think in the last season, too, as Logan's getting ready to leave for college, I know Janelle said, like, she was worried, what if we haven't taught them enough of our religious values, like going out into the world or even when they move to Vegas, like, have we taught them enough religiously? Right. So I think, yeah, they're a little nervous and, and sometimes, you know, their kids say, oh, well, they said we can do whatever we want. And in the name of, like, freedom and agency... And the parents, mind you, can see them being like, well, we always wanted them to, oh, feel free to choose, but we really want you to choose what we want for you. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of like, oh, crap, maybe we told them too much that they could be whatever they wanted to be. Right. So that that part's really interesting to see. Right. And I'm not saying that the Brown family isn't religious when I say this, the, the parents. But I will say that part of the reason why I believe, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think that them giving their children freedom to choose religiously what they feel is best for them is perfectly okay. But the fact that none of their children find it necessary to live the religiously the way that their parents did makes me wonder how religious their parents came across. Because you and I can both speak for this. When you're raised in a very high demand religion, there's not really a choice in your mind. Because, no. because you're taught this is what God wants. This is the only way to return and be saved. Yeah, I was and, never taught by my parents or the church at all. Like, oh, well, you can just like choose right. to not. It this was, was the no, choice. Choose the right. right. Choose this. So that makes me think that from the beginning or very early on, the Brown family parents were not that, I don't want to say religious, but that strict in their belief. You can definitely feel a separation within the family a lot. Robin's sister moves to help with the kids, and we're like, okay, so she has to have her sister there. Where are her sister wives? The whole thing that, like Robin said from the beginning, I want to have sister wives. I want to have people to help me raise my kids. And we know that Christine helped raise Janelle's kids. Janelle worked. Christine stayed in the home and helped raise the children. And Robin's not getting that, enough to where her sister has to move in. Christine said, I feel like a single mom, and that's not what I signed up for. So another thing is like when they're filming, you're getting these pieces and we're seeing it in a season, but this yep. is over the span of months and months. Like at this point, they've been in Vegas for like a couple of years now and a couple of years having that much separation between the family, you can just see the splits already happening and we're only in season five. I know we get into this later on in the season, but I really don't, I don't feel like they are living polygamy. Yeah. Based on what I was raised with, based on what... I've seen some of the successful marriages in polygamy that I've seen. It just it doesn't seem like they're living polygamy. And yeah. and we'll get into what I think they are doing, but it just from from the right in the beginning I was thinking, hmm, there's something different about the way they're doing things here. Yeah, and Christine says that. She's like I feel like we're failing at being a polygamous family. I feel like we're failing as a family the way that things are going, you know, we don't have support. When she said, I'm raising my kids alone, I don't even call my sister wives to ask for help. If I need help, I don't even ask them. Robin isn't calling Christine and saying, can you watch my kids? She's bringing a sister from out of state to come and live with her. Like, that's not cohesive and that's not the way, Right. not what they were signing up for and not what they were thinking when they obviously went into the law and the principle of polygamy, which kind of goes into their vacation with the with, Dargers, with the Darger right? yes. family. Yes. That was like night and day. And, and the Darger family is what I, in my mind and based on my experience living and growing up in polygamy, that that's what I pictured a polygamous family. That's what I would have expected from the Brown family. Yeah. Not, not that every family has to be 
perfectly put together by any means. There are plenty of monogamous families that aren't put together. They're a disaster when they go on a, a trip or something, right? <laughs> that happens. I understand that and I can respect that every family is very different that way. But when it comes to the polygamous side of it, the relationships between husband and wife, I pictured the Dargers as the people. They should have been the ones with the TV show. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. That could have ruined their relationship. Who knows? But anyway, it's what I would have pictured as, as a polygamous family. But the Browns make better TV. I feel like it's kind of the same in monogamous families too, right? There's not many that show. There's not many shows following yeah. around a very organized, well yeah. put together monogamous couple that are happy and things are going well in their life. Like, That's no, true. TV is way better made if they're following the like, yeah, the crazy families or people that are going nuts or yeah. in these crazy crazy situations, yeah. right? So maybe that's a good point. That's that good point. helped them. But it was sad to see like the Brown family also seeing it and realizing and being like, whoa, like, uh, oh, they're so organized. Oh, they leave on time. Mary even said, she's like, I didn't mean it offensively. Like, but I could be married to somebody who was on time and more take charge. And I think a little bit of it, they say the Dargers do their own polygamy. Like they are not a part of a specific religious group. Right. But the father being more in charge, we've talked about this before, like in the FLDS, like when the father's in charge, it makes it automatically more organized. And I think where Cody comes from the LDS with this idea and this mentality within the LDS, where like your partner, you're supposed to be like equally yoked. You're supposed to be mm -hmm. a partnership. And so he's trying to have like a democracy and partnerships with five people, right. which is just extremely, I don't think there's any way to do it like that and have it be successful. Right. And that's why one of the reasons that, that I said, I don't feel like they're living the polygamous lifestyle that I would have pictured. And that is because he's living a monogamous marriage with each individual wife. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems like. And of course that's going to cause friction. That's going to cause so many problems because it's basically He's trying to juggle four different families at once. Yeah. Instead of bringing them all together, and I don't, I, I love the idea of husband and wife being equal. That is the way it should be. But if you're going to live polygamy, there has to be someone who's in charge, who's in charge, like the Darger family, to make it all work. And that's how it was in my family. It wasn't always rainbows and sunshine. Uh, I didn't always like that that father had so much control and power, but because he did and he was in charge of all the final decisions, it definitely made things run a little smoother in the in the family. Yeah, and they talked about it with the Browns when they had like the adult dinner, and the mm -hmm. Dargers were kind of saying like, "You guys should consider being in one kitchen. Like you can, you should consider a single kitchen, right?" And or sharing a kitchen. And I thought it was interesting. Mary was the one who was like, well, like, how would you decorate? Mm -hmm. And I love the darker wife. I can't remember which one it was. She was I like, I think it was her fir the first wife. She was like, I forget her name. Is how we decorate more important than our family unit and more important than our kids being raised together? Like, is that where your priorities lie? And it was a little bit of a slap in the face to the Browns. And then Cody kind of had to follow it up with, my wives, you know, they're... He hinted. Yeah. Yeah, he hinted. Like, my wives are too independent and they're too different. And so, you know, it's abusive for them to share a kitchen. And in the interviews afterwards, we found out that was, like, apparently Mary or Janelle had felt abused by Mary sharing a kitchen in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So, but coming back to them, them saying, like, the priorities, if they're going to go into the law of plural marriage... Normally, in a plural family, you should be 
duking out your your frustrations, your problems, and overcoming them moving forward. If the solution is let's separate and then I just don't have to deal with you, is that really how you're supposed to be working through a plural marriage? Well, it's not not the way I would have seen it. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine that being successful. But it was in, in this moment when they were talking about the kitchen, I realized something as we've seen the different seasons and even into season 18, <laughs> I couldn't, I realized that the Brown family, so the four wives, mm -hmm. out of the four wives, Janelle is the only one that wasn't raised in some way or another in polygamy. Mm -hmm. Janelle was raised mainstream, LDS, polygamy, polygamy wasn't a thing, she then converted into the polygamous lifestyle. Janelle is by far the best polygamous wife, <laughs> which is interesting to me. You got Christine over here who doesn't, you know, gets very, very jealous, doesn't like the idea in so many of the aspects of polygamy. Mm -hmm. You have Robin over here who kind of comes in and wants to take Cody for herself and, and doesn't like the idea of sharing. And then you have Mary over here who we learned in this season when someone else came into the family, when Janelle came into the family, there was a lot, a lot of conflict. Because Mary has to have everything her way, like not compromising, right? And if right? you have to have everything your way, that's going to be hard enough to have a monogamous marriage, let alone a polygamous marriage. I mean, yeah. that is going to be a nightmare. When the first thought of sharing a kitchen is, but how would I decorate? Uh-huh. <clears throat> that kind of gives insight to priorities of her liking her house a certain way and they had mentioned that before like I like my decorations a certain way I like my house a certain way and Robin had kind of quipped that like well you know we're blessed enough to have well I don't think Robin meant to come across this like kind of rude but she was like we're blessed enough to have kids that mess up our houses yeah. and they're such blessings we wouldn't change it now obviously that made Mary sad a little bit right. you could tell because she wants to have kids and that and, or she very, wanted to have yeah. more kids. And that would be very tough. And maybe had she had five, six, eight kids like she was hoping. It would be all different. Maybe her priorities would have been different. Anyway, for whatever reason, Mary likes things her way. Yeah, but not sharing the kitchen. It was interesting to see the Darger family and to see their dynamic. And obviously it was hard for the Browns and the Brown kids as well to be like, oh, we didn't realize that was a way. But right. it goes to show how many different ways there is to practice polygamy. And they're not doing it under a specific religious umbrella either. The Dargers. So, yeah, the Dargers. Yeah. So within Utah, you know, there's estimated to be like 30 to 40,000 polygamists. And most of the, I mean, the religious groups themselves are nowhere near that big. There's right. a lot of independent polygamists. That's that true. Still There's a lot of little breakoffs. People, I even have family members that have done that. That, uh, well, they don't believe in the FLDS anymore because Warren Jeffs did that and so many other things. And then they want to keep living it. They still believe that it is the right way to live. And so they just take their family and go off somewhere out of the way and <clears> just keep living their lifestyle. But they don't answer to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next episode I was like man we could do a whole episode just on this episode this when episode four huh I think so I don't know the number but it was when um, a couple of their a couple of the brown kids decided to go up and help holding out help which is an organization that we absolutely love that we have worked with before yeah. and it was so funny because they're like we're gonna go and help holding out help and Christine was nervous yeah and I thought well yeah sending your kids that are actively polygamous kids 
to a to place a that place is helping polygamous kids escape. escape. It's <laughs> yeah. interesting. I can understand that. I being wonder concerning. who set that up. We need to reach out to Tanya because right. Christine was like, "Oh, I've heard questionable stuff about Tanya." Just Which, so everyone knows, Tanya is amazing. Yeah. But, She's awesome. But, but what this this is kind of the vibe I got though, and I don't know if the cameras just didn't capture everything that Christine was concerned about. But based on what the show showed, mm -hmm. Christine was concerned about Tanya because in her mind she thought that Tanya hated polygamy and hated every idea and aspect of it, and was trying to rip people out of it. And that was her mm -hmm. only goal: rip <clears throat> people out of it. But yeah. she later learned, and even the show will even show this conversation between Christine and Tanya later on that that isn't the case and that that's only a very small part of the whole mission behind holding out help. Yeah, it's not about trying to rip people out of, exactly. out of the polygamous communities. It's about being there as a resource and Tanya is there for people when they do need help. She's holding out help and saying, here, I will be a soft haven or a soft landing place and a safe haven for people who are leaving those and do whatever it takes to be able to help people out of it that need to be out of it and want to be out of it. Right. So Tanya's amazing. Um, I did think it was just have to mention though that Christine did say, what if I had reached out to Tanya while I was having problems with Cody oh, yes. and God forbid she had helped me get she out. She had convinced me. She to had convinced leave. me to leave. Can you imagine what that would be like? And we're now we're at season 18 and we're like, or Christine, do you wish Tanya would have been like, you know, if you had reached out to Tanya, maybe Tanya could have saved you like the next, I don't know, 10 years of your life. But just that <laughs> idea though, that if I had reached out, maybe she would have helped me out. Uh, you know, that that's just interesting because the people that Tanya and Holding Out Help are helping leave these communities are people that are in need. There are people that are reaching out and saying, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Oh, well, and that's where they say, okay, well, come on over here. We'll help you. We'll get you in touch with people you need to be in touch with. We'll help you have somewhere to stay until you can get your feet on the ground. And so the idea of, of being afraid to ask because you might get what you're asking for. That's a good point. I don't really understand why that would be a problem. Yeah, well, that's a very good point. Yeah. When the kids went up, they were helping paint a house. <clears throat> there were multiple kids there. Two had left from the Kingston group. Two had left from the FLDS. Sam actually did recognize Suzanne yeah. Steed, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I recognized uh, the parents when it, showed, when it showed the parent of these children that were leaving. And the kids, I don't remember how old they were during the time, but they looked familiar. But I don't know if it was because they look exactly like a brother that they have that, uh. I, that I'm familiar with. I don't remember interacting with them one-on-one, -on -one, but they looked familiar. Yeah, I think that within their interactions, like the brown kids interacting, I feel like it's very typical with what you see with like those who leave the Kingstons and those who leave the FLDS. The FLDS are very like quiet, more soft-spoken, mm -hmm. and you have a lot more like, like extrovertness from a lot of the people who leave the Kingstons, I feel like. Right. I feel like they're a lot more outgoing, a lot more outspoken. I think they go through, like the things that each group goes through or the people who leave each group is so different even though they're leaving polygamy and I think that this episode kind of showed that you know in their each individual stories I feel like in the FLDS the stuff Suzanne was talking about like father being sent away so much emotional stuff like emotional uh, abuse and turmoil in the way the families were separated and being passed as property and 
but they were always told to keep sweet, right? And so that's that, and that's one of the reasons that they are so meek and mild and and soft spoken is because that's the way they were told to be their entire lives. That you know, if you disagree about something, just hold it in. The the, the Suzanne, right? Mm -hmm. She she said that we were told to just hold it in until it goes away. Keep sweet and and don't don't talk about it. Yeah. And it seems like the Kingstons and the AUB group definitely allowed their children to speak up a little bit more based on what we see when they come out doesn't mean that they were treated well for speaking up no i think they were treated sometimes more harshly right and so because it was this harsh stuff against them they kind of like in this case was it colleen she seems kind of harsh and rugged i think that's in response to her environment and it's so sad but i feel like yeah. the kingston's these harsh really hard things in that way are happening to them and yeah. Like she says, being, you know, abused and beat up by her dad is the first memory she has of her father, right? Yeah, it seems like the Kingstons were a little bit more hardcore than even the AUB. Oh, yeah. Uh, from what we've seen. From what we've seen. Just a lot of people we've talked with have had really abusive experiences, unfortunately. Yeah. But I wonder if, I wonder if the ones that are leaving had to fight so hard to leave that by the time they get out, they're just like angry and they want to tell the world how bad it is that's what it seemed like especially with um who was the the young girl that had a different hairstyle every time we saw yeah, her colleen colleen okay yes yeah. I, I had to I had to comment on her hair I was like whoa it's different now whoa it's different <laughs> <laughs> i was teaching sam i was like, like how no, did she do that her hair is like early 2000s i was like no babe because he's like wait a minute did she like is she wearing a wig this time i'm like no kids in high school they do this i'm like teaching him like the one it was how pulled, emo kids the did in the 2000s forward, i was like, I was no, like just pull all of it forward i never did my hair like that but that was like the style if you were yeah. like more edgy or more emo than they would do anyway I, know, I, I, should, I shouldn't be surprised by hairstyles based on what I was raised with, the women in the FLDS. But <laughs> it's not but in it, a brain. It was, it was intriguing. Yeah, it was intriguing. But anyway, she seemed to have a very loud voice. And it seemed like from a very young age, she had an abusive situation. And she had to fight her way through, yeah. through life. And at the, t at the point where she finally was free, she was like a lioness ready to roar and, and shout from the rooftops. So, and, and that's okay. You know, everyone has to work through whatever situation they were dealt, you know, they have to work through it whatever way they can. Eventually the hope is that everyone finds the middle ground where they can live their life and, and be happy. Yeah, um, obviously they were, especially Colleen in particular, was kind of telling the brown kids like, no, I don't think practicing polygamy, there's nothing good of it, right? There's right. nothing good that comes out of it. And them bringing them to the Brown family, like back down to Vegas and having them see the Brown family and kind of opening their minds to the idea that there could be like no child abuse or that it could be just a chaotic big family instead of abusive situations, um, hopefully did some kind of good. Like I said, I don't know who set this up as far as like, oh, you know, it would be good, like making them see the kids who have been through so much and having those kids see the Brown family. Um, but I think that it, it looked like it taught everybody a little bit of something, right. a little bit of the fact that there are these really hard things going on in polygamy, you know, and I think Tanya said when she was sitting down with Christine and Cody and the parents and stuff saying like, you know, what Tanya sees every single day is the worst of the worst. She's right. seeing these horrible situations that she's literally helping to, to save people from the evil aspect that can happen within polygamy and then the Browns who are trying to live the best lives they can 
and aren't having secondary crimes or trying to not be associated in any way with Warren Jeffs and those type of things. So it's good for both sides of the pendulum to see one another and be like, okay, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, this over here or this over there. Everybody's situation is so different. I have siblings that, that left uh, and came out very differently than I did. Yeah. And these are siblings that were raised in the same family I was. I can talk to them about their experiences and something that I might remember as a okay experience or at least not a bad experience, they look at as maybe it was a bad experience for them, right? Mm -hmm. every, every situation is so different and uh, all I know is that you know, you just you just have to respect people for what they're going through. Even I, I looked at the Brown family and the way that Colleen was talking with them, and I was like, oh no, you know that that would hurt so bad to hear. You know, basically she's told them your parents are doing this awful thing, polygamy that no one should ever do. Like they must be dumb if they're doing that, right? And I think that her experience taught her that. Absolutely. And, and so. I think now at this point, I bet you if we talked to Colleen, she would have a different opinion about it now that she's been out for a while. Maybe she could see, I don't think that she would agree with polygamy by any means, mm -hmm. but I'll bet you she has some uh, different feelings about, okay, well, I've seen more now. I can, I can see that there are good people that come out of this that were just taught a certain way and that's what they believed. Yeah, it was interesting. Madison and Aspen got into the prairie dresses. Oh, and yeah. it was interesting to see the reaction of the brown parents. Mm. And they were like, I never knew that a dress could symbolize like the loss of agency. Like they were so concerned and they were like, whoa, that really caught them off guard, right? The idea of like a dress symbolizing so much. Mm. And I thought, again, just going along with what you're saying, like to the browns, that looks like oppression. Right? right to the rest of the world polygamy at all looks like oppression and so it's so easy for us to judge other people in what looks like oppression to us compared right. to our experiences that's a very good point it's a very good point just religion in general you know what what seems so normal to one person could look like a brainwashing crazy experience to the outsider obviously most of the world sees that in the FLDS and there's a large portion of the world that we've heard from that think that of the mainstream LDS church, mm -hmm. which coming from the FLDS, the mainstream LDS church seemed like this freedom, do whatever you want. <laughs> Rainbow and butterflies, Com baby. <laughs> compared, right? Yeah. And, and then you got people that maybe are atheists that would think that any religion maybe would be brainwashing. So you got all of, the, all of these different spectrums from people just based on their belief. Uh, so respecting others for their belief i think is just is just so important you just never know what someone has experienced and what someone has been through yeah the last note on this i think is when somebody one of the girls who had left the kingston group and this just kind of hit home i feel like she said you can justify the negative you can justify your anger towards the negative when you're having those like negative um like you're remembering negative things mm. you can justify why you're leaving but what do we do with the positive? What do you do with positive memories? Yeah. When you've left your home, you've left your family, you are outcast, all this, life is hard, you're alone. What do you do with the positive memories? Well, I tried to focus on those. That's what I did. I tried to focus on the positive and, and some people don't appreciate that I speak so positively about certain experiences in the FLDS because they, they, 
they want to focus on the negative. Mm-hmm. And yes, there were some negative things in the FLDS, even that I saw. But what good does it do to just focus on that? I think having an overall picture, there was some good, there was some bad. This is where I, this is where I was in it all. You know, and so I am. I feel lucky that I had more positive experiences than maybe a lot of people out there did, and that I totally understand, especially the women and the girls, the things that they experienced. But at the same time, I've talked to girls and women that have left, and they didn't have bad experiences either. So everyone's experience, even within the FLDS, was very, very different. Was it hard when you first left? When you thought of the positive experiences, though, did it make you more sad or like more homesick? So definitely more homesick, yes, yes. Because if if you were to focus on the negative, then you would probably just want to turn and run as fast as you can and never look back. But because there were those positive experiences that I had, it definitely made me miss my family. It made me miss the community. It made me miss the enjoyable and fun things that we did out there. Unfortunately, by the time I had left around that time, most all of the enjoyable, fun memories and things that I did growing up weren't being allowed anymore because Warren Jeffs was putting an end to all of those things that had given me such great memories. So it made it easier to just step away because, you know, all of those memories, those good memories weren't, they weren't really happening anymore. Mm, I can see that. Well, yeah, so that episode was good. Lots of uh, interesting stuff. We have, by the way, if anybody is looking for resources when they have left Polygamous Group, we do always have the link for Holding Out Help, their website and their information below if anybody needs any resources or any help leaving a polygamous family. Yes, definitely reach out. The last thing in the season, I'd say, was them, as they called it, the pilgrimage to Nauvoo. I almost forgotten about that. I know. That was a big part of this season. Yes, and obviously lots of religious stuff. A couple of things that I had never even heard, because all of Nauvoo is, we have the same church history, right? The mainstream LDS, all of Mormonism stems from Joseph Smith, and he was obviously in Nauvoo. And it was interesting watching the, I mean, the Brown family getting there is... Just dumpster fire, as usual. We don't need, we don't need to focus on that, but no. let's just say they had a very hard time even getting to their destination. Yeah. Um, so a lot of drama. Staying on Hiram's farm, Hiram Smith, Joseph Smith's brother, mm-hmm. was very cool to see. It was very interesting to see that the guy who led their kind of tour mm-hmm. around Nauvoo, they said was an active LDS member. Yes. But I really appreciated the his the honesty. The, the, one beautiful with the beautiful locks, locks of hair. <laughs> that made Cody jealous. It made Cody and Christine jealous. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was cool that he that he was very open and honest about the history and the things that yeah. happened in Nauvoo because I feel like um, for a long time, there's a period in time of the mainstream LDS church where some of those things that we were less proud of ever happening kind of got swept under the rug a little bit. And there's been a lot more transparency over the last, I don't know, probably 10 years, maybe yeah. 20 years, and more documentation to support these things. So I think he did a really good job. I was very impressed with how open and honest he was. Being an active LDS member, maybe some of the things that he was sharing wouldn't shed such a good light on the church. Yeah. But he was being very open and honest. And there were a couple of things where the Browns were like, wait, what? Are you sure that's the way? And he, and he said, yes, there's a lots of doc, lot of documentation now that prove that that is the fact. Yeah. One of those was Joseph Smith. So Joseph Smith's polygamy 
and him practicing polygamy was something that was kept very, very secret when it was happening. And even within the mainstream LDS church, it wasn't talked about a lot. They were starting to talk about it more when I was in seminary, like in high school age, and I had religion class every day. They're starting to talk about more that it happened. Right. Um, but I, I want to say, like, when I first heard about it, it was like he maybe had 11, 12 wives. They weren't, like, sexual partners. They were just ceilings. You know, there was always, like, these excuses. Like, we didn't really want him to have practiced polygamy, but it probably happened. Yeah, and there's um, still people today that don't, that claim he never did. That he never did. Right. But this guy had said, like, he had 33 wives, which I think shocked the Browns. Again, Cody having served an LDS mission, Janelle growing up LDS, and the other two, like everybody, they were like 33, and 12 were married to other men. And, and that one was the one that they were like, Really? Are you what? sure about that? And he said, yes, there's documentation proving that while they were married, and this man was still alive, mm -hmm. they were married and sealed to Joseph Smith as well. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was cool that he mentioned this because this is some of the stuff like the older church history, the things that as you find out can be hard on your faith. This exact thing was something that was super hard on my faith. Like it's very obvious in the scriptures that you're not supposed to be marrying other men's wives, men being sent away on church missions, and then him marrying their wife while, he, while the guy was gone on a mission. Things like that happening didn't sit well with me personally. And... Obviously, for this member who was giving the tour, you know, it's not that members can't find a way to reconcile faith in what happened with history, and that's great for them. It's great for, I mean, faith is just so open to a vast, a vast amount and of. And some people just choose stuff. not to believe it, and that's how. That's, they, and that's how they reconcile it. They, <laughs> and say, how they, reconcile. they just say no, no. Yes, them, they may say that, but there's all sorts of theories and people claiming that, oh, he did it because he had to or because it was just a spiritual thing. It wasn't actually a physical marriage and at, uh, on this an earthly marriage. And so there's all of these different speculations and things that, that happen. But the fact that there is documentation stating that it did happen, you know, and even people that are active in the mainstream LDS church are bringing this information to light, that in my opinion, goes to show that there must be some truth to it. Yeah. I guess all I want to say is that it's easy for people from the outside to look and say, if you know about that, how on earth could you choose to believe it? Mm -hmm. Right? How if this guy's going and marrying other, other women? But you have to remember that it really comes down to a testimony of whether or not Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. And if he was doing all of these things because he was speaking with God and God told him to. And if you have that testimony of that, that he is a prophet and that everything he did was because he was commanded to, then whatever he does really at, at almost every level, whatever he does that's being inspired is going to be okay. And that it was all for the betterment of the church and all that. Um, and then for those of us who have chosen not to, it just comes down to whether or not I believe that God would command such a thing. Right. And I chose to believe that I didn't believe God did. I didn't believe that God commanded Joseph Smith. I know we don't get into very often any reasons why we left the LDS church, but this is one that kind of hits home uh, for me yeah. because I had to reconcile my faith and say, do I believe that God would command a man to marry other men's wives? And I chose no for me, and we still love and respect those who said yes. And right. so that's all I wanted to say about that. There's a, there's a lot to talk about this, right? We could talk for hours about our feelings about certain things. Surprisingly, a lot of what was a big concern for Melissa wasn't always the same. I, yeah, not I, for ha him. I have concerns about that exact same topic, yes. But there were other things that we talked about that, for me, I didn't really think much about, but I had different concerns. 
and a little bit more of an overall picture of the, of what's going on and not only in the in the LDS church but religion in general some things that uh, have had brought up some some concerns for me so that's for a different video but we just wanted to point out there is a lot a lot going on it's not just one problem and we said oh we're done <laughs> yeah definitely um talking about the nauvoo expositor getting destroyed why joseph smith was you know in carthage jail and that was interesting because i had never heard that growing up did yeah. you know why he was in carthage jail i did not find out about why joseph smith was put into carthage jail i just thought he was being um, slandered and put into jail for no reason or for polygamy when I was younger. Well, Joseph Smith was the mayor of Nauvoo at the time. So he was actually in a very high church, or not church, <laughs> so used to saying that. He was in a very high government official position at the time. And him and other people in his, what would they call them? In the city council. In the city council, yes, thank you. Decided, yes, they. we don't believe that this press is is printing the correct information, so therefore we're going to destroy it. And then I did hear that is why they were put in prison. That's what I was going to ask. Were yes. you taught that, though, as a child? I, we were. In the, F, in the FLDS, the, the church history was a lot more open and expressed openly like that. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, that was very interesting for me because, again, I didn't find out about that until way older, um, until after we were married. Yeah. And so them being at Carthage Jail, finding out how Joseph Smith had passed away, and all of that was, you know, very a very spiritual experience for them. I know a lot of people, we've had um, family friends that have gone and served missions in Nauvoo, very spiritual experience for them and for those that tend to, uh, to go visit. So we've never been. Have you ever been? I've never been to Nauvoo. I've heard that even people that aren't a part of the church or have any background believing in Joseph Smith at all have said that it is still a really cool place to visit and a lot of great information and tour guides and things. So I definitely would like to visit at some point. There's Me a lot too. of history there. And I feel like like we found out in this little clip or this episode of the Sister Wives, there's information that we've never heard of, which is kind of cool to learn more. Yeah, well, I definitely want to go. I definitely yeah. want to go someday. It's always been something I've wanted to go do. Maybe we would film it and film maybe, our, maybe like we, our reaction to it and go we, to Nauvoo. Maybe we pull a Peter Santanello and show up with a GoPro and, and walk around with people. That'd be awesome. <laughs> maybe we take Peter with us. There we go. Peter, you want to come he's, with us? He's way better at journalism than we are, so yes, that would be a much Peter. better option. <laughs> but anyway, the that was kind of all the stuff that we want to cover in Season 5. A lot of information, a lot of interesting stuff about the way they practice polygamy versus some other polygamists in their lives. Mm -hmm. getting to learn more about some polygamous history and Joseph Smith I felt like and holding out help and people leaving polygamy this season was chocked filled of stuff that we were excited to share with you sorry if this video is a little bit longer than some of our other ones if any of you would like to hear more about what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy then please like and subscribe yes thank you all so much for being with us again through our fresh eyes on sister wives hope you enjoyed and we look forward to talking with you soon talk to y'all soon